Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh my dear brothers, sisters, friends and the foes out there Welcome to another episode of the Blood Brothers Podcast with your host Didi Hussain um, Today's episode is a special one because I have specifically chosen our respective guest and the topic uh, For the new subscribers to our channels um, Many of you have seen the podcast that I recently did with uh, rappers, friends of uh, We Wish Halali um, our dads and others And there will be other rappers coming on to the podcast But by no means is this podcast The Blood Brothers podcast um, A platform that specifically addresses this issue But I know that we've had a spike in subscribers And new audience members to this channel And therefore I've chosen today's topic uh, To be one around uh, gangs and drugs um, And violence and easy money And, and that kind of lifestyle um, because brothers and sisters, make no mistake uh, For those of you who know me and know this channel um, Know that these issues are very dear and close to me Because I've mentioned on various platforms That there was, a, there was a time in my life Where I could have easily gone down that path And, and ended up in a very bad place But alhamdulillah for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The support of my father and my brothers um, They try keeping me on the straight and narrow as much as possible And alhamdulillah things turned out as well as they could be uh, today's uh, guest is an imam, uh, a very uh, prominent and esteemed imam, someone who I would call a superman imam. I say that because he is very multifaceted, uh, very active in his community, and I would actually say an exemplary example of how imams and masajid should be in the UK with the plethora of socio-economic and political issues that we are facing. And that is none other than Imam Shakil Beg from Lewisham Islamic Centre. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Sheikh, how are you doing? for the opportunity and wish you and your podcast and five pillars all the best. Uh, Sheikh, um, you know when I contacted you regarding this podcast, um, I gave you the kind of background context. Um, and that was that, you know, mashallah, we've had a spike of subscribers, a spike of new audience members who have come from uh, the podcast that we did with rappers yeah, recently, namely uh, Brother Frenzo uh, and our dads before him and and so forth So I wanted to kind of set an example That you know I appreciate I'm very grateful that you guys have subscribed to this channel uh, But this is Five Pillars mm -hmm. And this is Blood Brothers um, So I want to talk about some of these issues Which are affecting our youth And even grown men mm -hmm. um, Let me first begin by this issue of um, Substance abuse And generally things which We desire mm -hmm. Right um, Whether it be women um, whether it be um, you know sex out of wedlock, um, easy money, lots of money, bravado, um, you know material uh, extravagance, um, these are not things which are specific to the Muslim community, are they, Sheikh? I mean, they affect all communities, surely. Uh, of course, of course, they affect uh, you know everybody, and of course, these are attached to what we would call hawa or desires, but at the same time, you know, with the Muslim community. There are guidelines, guidance, values, which we know are coming from who? Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala. So I think approach from Muslims to Muslims and from Muslims should be slightly different than maybe non-Muslims. Okay, so when it comes to, okay, beautiful cars, there's nothing explicitly that prohibits uh, within, within our religion to have a very nice car or a nice steed, yeah? Or to have a beautiful wife mm -hmm. for that for you. There's nothing wrong with having, uh, from my understanding, Sheikh, please correct me if I'm wrong, um, intercourse that's not necessarily specific for uh, um, for, for reproduction. Yeah, you can have casual intimacy with your spouse and these kind of things. Yeah, So many of these things, they are permissible in and of themselves, but it appears that the way in which many are looking to fulfill these desires is what's haram. So I think you kind of like uh, the point that you made. It's, uh, you know, accurate in the sense that Allah Ta'ala has allowed for the fulfillment of desires, but within certain boundaries. Mm -hmm. Now, as long as it's within those boundaries, whether it is a beautiful wife or a good car, then fine. And if the me and the means to attain those things are also done in, in the right halal way, mm. as prescribed to us by Allah and His Messenger, then fine. But as you mentioned, People are exceeding and passing and transgressing those boundaries. And what do you think are those influences that's leading to this? Um, I mean, I can tell you that 
there seems to be a, a an element of glorification of sex, drugs and violence. And it has been for the last 30, 40 years. I mean, even if you go back to the old school Hollywood movies of Casino, Goodfellas, Carlitos Way, Scarface, right up until the way uh, the rap music has been glorified, there seems to be this consistent glorification of drugs, violence and the sexual objectification of women. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that is kind of the main kind of, or is it one of, other reasons why as to why it's becoming such a popular trend to attain these kind of desires in, in a very very haram way I always do mention within the Muslim community in terms of you know what's out there in terms of social media remember things were always difficult because there's natural desires so things are always difficult in the sense of some of the desires that might be around us but with social media and Instagram and Snapchat and of course the music industry it has made it much 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 worse for the youngsters saying this you know when we think of the sahaba and the companions mm. uh, and especially in the time of makkah we think of a society that is so pure they didn't have alcohol they didn't have music they didn't have women and zina but that's not the case they had all of that they had all of it and it was so common you know music was attached to alcoholic drinks that a certain type of music or instrument will be with something that you drink an alcoholic drink Zina became so widespread that it became a form of marriage in a sense that a woman might sleep with 10 men and say, you know what, the father is this one. Or the noble lineage. Kind of the noble lineage and so on. But the Sahaba with the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam you know, stayed away from those things. Mm-hmm. So it also comes down to your level of Iman and faith. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't say, look, it's the time we're living in. It's the environment we're living in. It's a social media generation. And so, you know, I cannot practice my deen. Allah gave us a deen then but he gave for this time too. So if it was good for Mecca in the time of the Prophet it's good for London in 2020 also. Are there any kind of prophetic statements that come to mind with regards to the Prophet wasallam? you know, explicitly warning against, uh, you know, certain fitan that he, he foresaw or felt that would challenge his, his, his followers uh, with regards to, I don't know, wealth or women and stuff like this? Yes, definitely, definitely. So many. I mean, one that ca- comes to mind where he wasallam said, you know, I do not fear, you know, uh, poverty, faqr, but I fear that the wealth will be given to you. And I remember reading, you know, one of the companions when he went into the Muslims conquered a land. Uh, I think it was Cyprus early on in the Khilaf of Uthman and so on. And everybody was happy. He started crying. And they asked him, why are you crying? Look, it's, it's a day of honor and izzah for the Muslims. We, mm. You know, bring the deen of Allah Ta'ala to, to another environment. Mm. He said, I'm not crying because of that. I'm crying because I fear the fitna that the wealth will bring to you. And also the Prophet said, look, fitna to ummati al-mal. The fitna of my ummah is this wealth. And if we are going to attach this to, let's say, the music industry or the drug industry and so on, and you might ask drug dealers or people in, in the music industry, how long do you want to carry on making money? Okay, 10 years you've been selling drugs? 20 years? How much have you made? Isn't it time to cut your losses now and say, look, you know what, time for me to make toba and stop. Mm. But it becomes such a fitna that people, you know, want to carry on doing it. And not only this, I've, speaking to, I've spoken to some, you could say, youngsters. Mm. It's not even the wealth. It's the the hype and the ego attached to Being the whole industry. Okay. So here we're talking about the bravado, the alpha maleness, that feeling of just being gangster, yeah. you know, being a trap star, being, being just that kind of it's an it's a incorrect type of izza, is it not? Yes. That's that. It, that's what it is. It's a misplaced mm-hmm. type of izza, and I, and I can I can tell you that's what it is. I mean, I've spoken to many brothers, some of whom from my localities who are still in this game, right? And we're not talking about sixteen, seventeen-year-old boys here. Now we're talking about men in their early thirties who have been doing this for many years, um, and you know, they don't come from bad families, Sheikh. They come from families where. The mother covers, the mother prays, the, the father is a hardworking man, but the son or sons or nephews are still engaged in this. And when I have this conversation with the brothers, it's become a way of life. Mm-hmm. So on a spiritual point of view, mm-hmm. how should the believers overcome this unadulterated desire for wealth and glamour and fame? Like because some, some deep discussions there, Dili. Number one, I, I also think I mean, let's put non-Muslims aside for a moment. This, this discussion is entirely for the Muslims. For the Muslim community. For the Muslims. So those parents, those mothers, those mm. fathers. And also, you know, sometimes, you know, we have this thing that the uh, 
environment that we're in here is the environment that is making us do haram. Whereas we, back home, people are doing haram. Of course. Back home, there's drugs. Back of home, course. there's zina. 100%. And that's sometimes all just brought to the environment that we're in. Mm. So my point here is, uh, you know, when the son brings it in, mm. money for the wedding. Yeah. You know, daughter wants to get uh, get married. And you know, it's 20,000 pounds, 30,000 pounds. And the son, you know what, mum? Here's 10,000, 20,000. It's not working. He's not signing on. Where did he get the 20, 30,000 that you said? Yeah, thank you, son. And it's not Bitcoin or Forex. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so this, the point is, are we then accommodating and allowing this? And sometimes we might have a perception, well, you know what? They're only doing it to non-Muslims. Does that become halal because I'm selling it to non-Muslims? So let's targeting the non-Muslims. So, so let's quickly address that point because I've heard that here and there, and I heard that this position was more prevalent in perhaps the '90s. Yeah, mm-hmm. that there are some out there that believe dealing drugs to non-Muslims is fine because you're not harming the believers. Can you quickly address the problematic uh, understanding of this position? I mean, one is when Allah Taala made something haram, was just specific for you uh, within your community. When the Messenger of Allah in the Hadith, he said, "Look, Inna Allah Taala wa Rasulahu haram al bay, haram al bay al khamri, wal maytati, wal khinzir, wal ansab." Allah and His Messenger have made haram intoxicants, haram selling pork, haram selling dead meat, haram selling statues, and so on. This tahrim is referring to, i.e., Muslims and non-Muslims. For you to trade in it, it is haram. And keep in mind, specifically to intoxicants, what did the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say? Atani Jibril. Jibril came to me. And said, Inna Allah Ta'ala la'an al-khamar. Allah has cursed khamar. And of course, we know the hadith where the one who buys it, the one who sells okay, it, the one, one who carries it, it, the one you, you who know, everything it. attached to yeah, it yeah, everything. is cursed. Yep. So, you know, that argument where, you know, we're allowed to sell it to some or to non-Muslims, no, it's haram, period. And that was a practice of the Prophet Sallam and his companions and so on. Okay, boom. While we're here, we might just quickly deal with some of these very side questions that I've, that I've commonly heard amongst some. Uh, Akhi, um, smoking spliffs and cannabis isn't haram for me because it doesn't mash me up, mm-hmm. um, and actually I can actually fully operate and go about my daily life uh, the way I'm doing my go to work or to do my, um, you know. So cannabis to me is a bit like cigarettes. You can't compare it to khamar. Have you ever heard this? Uh, very common, very common. And again, some of these, let's say cannabis, weed, and so on, it is something also in Muslim lands mm. that people smoke. People are okay with, and they might tell you, you know what, it's not khamar. Yeah, a lot of the high grade comes from the Muslim lands as well. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so khamar now here, what does it mean? Khamar is it just alcoholic drinks that in the time of the Prophet Sallam, you know, what do we call the scarf that a woman wears? Khimar. Khimar, yeah. Yeah, because why? It's a covering. Yes. So anything that covers the intellect is khamar. In fact, the Prophet Sallam in one hadith, what did he say? Kullu muskirin khamar. He didn't say khamar. Yeah. He said every intoxicant is a khamar. Yes. Wa kullu muskirin haram. And every intoxicant is haram. Mm. So that's kind of like, you know, lets us understand, look, anything which intoxicates, whether it's alcoholic or not, mm. it is something which is... Imp- and you know what? Deep down, I mean, put the kind of like knowledge, fiqh, all aside. Come on, man. You look into A person looks into his heart or her, what they're going to feel. Are these things permissible? They know it's haram deep down. Mm. It's just justifying our desires. Bringing it back to... Um, the spiritual um, aspect of this, you know, very uh, raw desire to just attain wealth mm-hmm. and attain, um, you know, fame and, and attention. How how does a Muslim who identifies by a, as a Muslim, by the way, yeah. um, even before the camera started recording, we was we were discussing certain brothers in the rap game who are very prominent by name. Mm-hmm. These people know what they're doing is haram. They know. Uh, what they were doing before music was haram, right? But how do you overcome this love for the money? Okay. Love for the fame, love for the attention, love for, as they would say, love for the drip, the very expensive clothes, and the 1,000 pound trainers, the 800 pound jeans, mm-hmm. you know, this this particular perception. Yeah. How do you spiritually overcome this? I think, look, so many things going through my mind when you are kind of like uh, asking that question and making that statement in terms of, look, ayat, ahadith, so many. Uh, give us some, give us some. Well, one thing I want to mention though, you know, and this is, in terms of my engagement with some of the rappers within especially the London UK scene. Remember, South London has a lot of Muslim of rappers. Yes, you know, of a course. large majority are from South London. They are indeed. And many of them, you know, they pray, they fast, you know, they wouldn't miss Jum'ah. I mean, we had a youngster who came, well, he's, not, he's been in the game for a long time, but he came last Jum'ah and the Jum'ah before here. 
and he's been in the game a long time. He does not miss his, miss his Jummah. He doesn't miss his Salah. The point I'm trying to make is, look, there is Khair in these brothers. Mm. Uh, you know, and there needs to be engagement with them to modify what they might be doing. Mm. Clearly, there are things in the rap industry that Muslims are singing about that they should not be. It is haram, glorifying, encouraging that anybody who believes in Allah on the last day would say, you know what, I should not really be doing this. Saying this, you know, your, your point, a hadith come to my mind. And that's where the Prophet ﷺ said uh, in the hadith, مَا ذِعَبَانِ جَائِعَانِ أُرْسِلَ فِي غَنَمٍ بِأَفْسَدَ لَهَا مِنْ حِرْسِ الْمَرْءِ عَلَى الْمَالِ وَشَرْفِ لِدِينِ He ﷺ in this hadith, he said, two hungry wolves let loose on a flock of sheep. Imagine these, these are hungry, they've been let loose, there's nobody to guard those sheep, are less harmful than a person craving for wealth and status for his or her deen. Maybe it's not just the wealth. So sometimes status, like we said, money has been made. So what are you seeking? Ego. And then if you look at the character, you know, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. He's my messenger. I bear witness. He's my role model. Did he have his ego? Is this his lifestyle? When we say the shahada, we we know he is the man that we want to be like and follow. And Allah gave him as a guide to us. So why should my ego come into this? You know, very famous incident in Sirah. The messenger of Allah is going back to Mecca. And, you know, this is the land that expelled him, took the property of the Sahaba, took his property. Now, after his hijrah, 10th year, he's going back to Mecca with 10,000 Sahaba behind him. He's riding on his riding animal. And two narrations, one Ibn, Ibn Kathir in the Sirah and one Ibn Hisham in the Sirah, both saying he's riding and he touches his chin to the riding animal yeah. humility to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's, that's how we, who we're supposed to follow mm. you know so if we are following him we're following the guidance of the Quran we're looking at those ahadith which we're supposed to kind of like you know shun the attachment the strong attachment to the dunya that should inshallah really take us away if we're sincere mm. I mean can we also like get, get some kind of like reiterate perhaps re-emphasize the point that Islam in and of itself is not against wealth. Mm-hmm. It's not against you splashing out and treating yourself. If it can be afforded and you prioritize your wealth and, it's, and, and, the, and the wealth is accrued in a halal way, that is the position, Raj. Of course, and, yeah. and that's why you will find companions, mm. especially the 10 promised Jannah, mm. wealthy. Abu Bakr amongst them, Abdurrahman bin Awf amongst them, Ahmad bin Affan amongst them. Wealthy, rich, but what are they doing with their wealth? In fact, we need wealthy Muslims to support the dawah work, the, the dawah efforts and so on. Mm. But it's not in here. Mm. It's in their hands and they're giving it and it's not for their ego. Mm. That, that's, I think, a crucial point there. Okay, so we've discussed um, about this particular um, you know, industry. Um, but And this particular industry has, whether you know brothers want to admit it or not, it has, or at least at the very least, it fuels... Um, real life damages in societies, and that's Muslims killing Muslims mm-hmm. in Birmingham. Just in the You're last, about the gang in the, the gang, yeah, the drug. gangs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A brother called Muhammad stabbing up a brother called Abu Bakr. Mm-hmm. A brother called Omar stabbing up a brother called Uthman. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, whether it be between uh, South Asians or whether it be between Somalians or Nigerians or brothers from from the Maghreb. You know, it happens in London. It happens in Birmingham. It happens in many parts of the UK where Muslims are killing Muslims. Like, how uh, can we touch upon the seriousness of this issue? Go on, take the life of your brother. Yeah. 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 Can you just shed some light on this real life repercussion that is happening? Because when you're talking, when the brothers are drilling mm-hmm. with their masks and they're drilling away and they're talking about, gonna juke up next man in this chicken shop and I'm gonna go chef this guy, I'm gonna ching this guy, you know, that gang that you're talking about in the next state or in the next road, they've also got Muslims in that gang. Yeah. When you lot are drilling, Drill is the type of the music that they yeah. drill, yeah? Mm-hmm. And you're talking about shanking, chefing, chinging, and, and you know, poking and all this kind of stuff. You're talking about taking the life potential of another Muslim, yeah? yeah? yeah. A mother like yours will, will, will feel that loss, mm-hmm. yeah? How do we drive home this message that there's, alongside the money, the wealth, the fame, the sex, the drugs, and all of that stuff, comes with it a life of violence, mm-hmm. which has entailed taking the life of fellow believers and fellow Muslims. Mm. I think one of the saddest things, Sheikh, yeah. not just the Ramadan that passed, there were two deaths in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Muslim killed another Muslim. Yeah. Yeah? 
And something that Didi, when you're mentioning it, I'm, I'm trying to hold myself self back from, let's say, shedding tears, mm. because it's something that I'm very, very passionate. Look, we love society, but our own people, and I'm talking about Muslims. You know, I regard Muslims as my people, regardless of, of the ethnicity and race. No. You know, we're one ummah and one community, and it's painful, very, very painful. And you know, something I just thought of in terms of so because you attach it to kind of the, the music scene. Now, in terms of the messenger, Allah Ta'ala and his messenger, did they speak about vices in the Quran and Ahadith? They spoke about shirk, they spoke about oppression, they spoke about the treatment of women in society, the oppression of people in society. They never glorified it. Yeah? You, you can speak about vices without glorifying and encouraging. Yeah, That's, that's, that's pretty deep. Yeah. So what Sheikh just said there, if you guys haven't clocked on, that Allah and his messenger spoke about these things quite explicitly. There was no glorification. Exactly. So, in essence, if you really want to express it mm -hmm. as a form of art, as what many have said, it can be done without glorification. It can be done without encouragement. Mm -hmm. Is it not the case also there's a kind of principle within our deen that when you think back of sins or jahiliyyah, you're not supposed to think back of it fondly. Exactly. Exactly. It's supposed to be with disgust. It's not something that you are proud of, yeah. but something that you are speaking about to say, look, that was something bad I used to do. Yeah. In fact, you know, the Prophet, what did he say? Uh, the hadith, man da ila dalalatin, whoever calls to an error, kana alayhi min al ithmi min athami, min, min athami man tabi'ahu. Whoever calls to a misguidance or sin or error will have the sin of those who follow him or her in it. So if we're glorifying and people are saying, well, you know what, this is cool to, to shank, to, 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 to kill, to murder, to sell drugs, you know, and I'm speaking about my reality that I've been through, but you know, wait a minute, 10, 11 year olds, smartphones and, you know, the, the social media industry, nine, 10 year olds are watching and listening to this. When you got a woman dancing, what they call it now, twerking, twerking yeah. and she's doing this and your young sisters and daughters are looking, uh, looking at this again, put the non-Muslims aside, Muslim rappers. Do you want your young sisters and daughters to be watching and listening to this? And if one of them goes on to twerk, or one of them goes on to dance like this, or, you know, sell or take drugs, do you think there'll be no accountability on your Qiyamah for this? So that's very, very important for us to reflect on. The other issue is the, the Muslim side of, in terms of, you know, this killing. And wallahi, and, and this is no, no exaggeration. There were some two, Muslim, not two, two gangs one, you could say predominantly non-Muslim, and the leaders were non-Muslims. Both the leadership was non-Muslims, but they had Muslim members. And you know, it was easier to engage with them and stop the violence. Wallahi, stop the violence, and these are non-Muslims. Recently, there was a case between two Muslim gangs. And when I heard about this, and I said, okay, look, let's go and speak to them. Mm. And their olders were telling me, they, don't they will not respect you. It's a generation that they might end up stabbing you or harm you. Do not go. And this is the level we have reached to now. Where the respect, the maqam of the olders have even... Olders, imams, everything, it's gone. Because there was a time, and some of the brothers who are from that particular kind of 35, 40 plus generation will recall there was a time, no matter how bad you fought, the elders were the elders. Exactly. The elders were the elders. And you wouldn't even do things like, I'm not saying that how it was done. I remember there wasn't a thing like you would walk with your girlfriend or a girl down the road so openly. You would never smoke a cigarette, rago like this because, because you have you know, some shame. Yes, some a shame. shame. Yeah, that's respect. gone. It's gone. It's gone. A young chap became Muslim here. Yeah, yeah his name was Marlon. Rahimahullah passed away. Got shot. Yeah, we done his janazah locally. So Marlon took shahada. And literally two weeks after, why I love him and I remember him still, he brought about six or seven of his friends. And he's only been Muslim for two weeks. So I'm speaking to them, sitting around the corner of the of the masjid, speaking about you know Allah, Islam, and then I said, so Marlon, do you wanna? Tell them something about Prophet Muhammad. He said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, he's the messenger of Allah, last of the messengers, best of the messengers, and a person with excellent character. So I still remember this. Now, why I'm mentioning this? This is two weeks before he passed. This is not, this is what, two weeks after he took his shahada. Yeah, okay. Yeah, anyway, I would see him quite regularly in, in Lusham, London Borough of Lusham, on, on the high street and so on. And sometimes not up to, or up to, you know, no good. Hmm. And I would say, look, Marlon, you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, Allah. Come on, change your life. Okay, the guy would lower his gaze. He was young, yeah, 20, 21. Lower his gaze. You're right, Imam. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm trying. That's a level of respect. And that's from a new Muslim. So somebody coming from a Muslim community, Muslim parents, and so on, should know better. Saying this, going back to your, the, the killing issue. 
and as, as I mentioned, it's something passionate. It's something I find difficult to understand because it hurts. It hurts. Well, like it hurts. hurts. Well, like it hurts. When our brothers and sisters are being killed in their thousands elsewhere in the Muslim world, right? We have youth killing each other here, and then that shows you also look the level of iman. Wait a minute. There's so much pain. China, Muslims, Uyghur, mm. Philistine, Rohingya, Yemen, Kashmir, Kashmir Iraqi, Afghanistan, Iraq, every, the, the world. And you guys are willing to do this? Where's your love for the for, for your brothers and sisters elsewhere? You know, prioritize your efforts. And let's look Allah Ta'ala. What is Allah Ta'ala telling us? The one who kills a Muslim intentionally, Jahannam is a person about Khalidina, Khalidan fiha. They will abide in it. But Allah carries on. It basically means in terms of he or she will abide for killing a believer intentionally, abide in Jahannam. But Allah goes on to say, Allah is angry with that person. Allah curses that person. And Allah is prepared for that person a severe, painful punishment. Imam Shawkani, great Imam, you know, Fatul Qadir was his tafsir. He held the view, I'm not saying this is the right view, but one of his view was, because of this ayah, a Muslim who kills another Muslim intentionally will be in hellfire forever. A Muslim who kills another Muslim intentionally without a reason which is justified within the Sharia, right? Some severe punishment. Severe. And I know that certain brothers who are in the game, they have very strong views about Kashmir. Mm-hmm. They have very strong views about Palestine. I'm talking about brothers who are in the game. Yeah. They will give thousands of their money towards these causes mm-hmm. because they are either from an Arab descent or they're from Kashmir or Pakistan, right? They have very strong views about the oppression of Muslims in those lands yeah. but will be immersed in the oppression of their own people, of their own people here. Locally. So it doesn't make sense. Makes no sense. It's madness. Um, moving on, you know, once brothers have left this life of drugs, violence, and so forth. Uh, many have turned to music mm-hmm. right? uh, as an expression of art, as a form of expression to discuss their lived experiences, um, you know, the difficulties that they have faced uh, on the streets. Um, and they believe um, that, you know, music or, you know, being in the studio, you know, making rap is significantly better than what they were doing prior to the rapping. Mm-hmm. There are some who are rapping are still doing this stuff, yeah. but there are many others who have left that game and now making money off the rap music, mm-hmm. which they believe is a, you know, in our terms, from a maslaha basis, that it is a, it's a lesser harm. Mm-hmm. I'm not killing anyone. I'm not selling drugs to anyone. I'm here in the studio making music, mm-hmm. and good music at that fact. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with this? A number of factors. Uh, one is what you mentioned, you know, while some might be just doing the music, that has its own issue, but there are many who would be rapping and still selling drugs. Yes. In fact, the rap would be, while it might seem prominent, it's a side thing. Yes. The drugs are the main thing. Yeah, because if the rap if the rap blows up, then you may leave that. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. But until then, the rap is a side it's thing. A side thing. Yes. Yeah. So that kind of like, again, you're, you're still in the game. Mm. The other angle is, is something, is something we discussed just earlier on uh, in the discussion, is fine, you're doing that music. You're doing those lyrics. What are those lyrics about? Are those lyrics pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Are those lyrics in line with the guidance of the Messenger of Allah? Are those lyrics promoting haram, sin, and disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Just take an example. Uh, uh, women. You know, so there's this Netflix. I mean, I was reading a, an article. Cuties. Cuties. Mm. And the uproar. Uproar. Yeah, from, from the Muslim community. Why is this? What are you promoting? And probably non-Muslims too. But look. Our Muslim rappers are doing exactly the same thing, you know. So you'd have a woman. I mean, which music video by a rapper would not have a woman that is naked or semi-naked? For our standards, we'd say naked. Mm. But let's say semi-naked for certain standards. Now, what is that promoting? And would you want your young sister or your young daughter to watch this or your wife to watch this? Is that something which is, you know, you're trying to halalify your kind of like environment, but is it really halal? So I think that's very, very important to say, look, no, that, that cannot be done. Now, music is a discussion in itself. Let's say it's, um, you know, a whole of you, it's haram, but let's say there might be some who say it's okay. Those who say okay are not referring to these lyrics. Of course. Let's not justify <laughs> some statements of some ulama to say, look, what I'm yeah. doing is in line with what they might have said. No, yeah. nobody's ever said that. Yeah. 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 
So here, so here, I guess what you're really emphasizing is um, what's being rapped about. Exactly. Yeah. And if the rap is glorification, mm-hmm. um, and, and and some would even go as far as to say, I mean, I've heard this argument as well among some brothers who are in the industry. They goes, look, is it glorification though? I'm just talking about my life. I'm talking about the age of 15, 16, I did this. At the age of 17, 18, I did this. At the age of 18, 19, I drove this car. At the age of 20, 21, I had this watch. At the age of distance, I did this. How is that glorification? Mm-hmm. The messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the hadith, he said, you know, he defined bir. He defined ithm. He defined righteousness and he defined sin. When he defined both, he, 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 he mentioned, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in terms of what's insi- what the feeling inside that you have. Meaning you know deep down what is righteousness. You know deep down what is sin. So even if they are justifying this and saying, look, I am not glorifying this. You know, deep down I am sure everybody knows what is haram and what is sinful and what is glorification. Saying this, as we mentioned earlier on, Allah speaks about sin. So many sins, shirk, kufr, disobedience, oppression. Adultery, all intoxicants. The Messenger of Allah spoke about those things. Spoke about all kinds of oppression from Fir'aun to Musa to the Bani Israel and so on. All of that has been addressed. Did Allah Ta'ala, can you read those ayats or statements of Prophet Muhammad and say, look, this is glorification? No. Allah Ta'ala is mentioning it, but to make it clear, that's not something that you should be you should be falling into. Now let's say, okay, somebody saying this is the environment I'm in. But that rap song with that woman twerking, with that woman dancing, in a very kind of like uh, lustful, lewd way, isn't that glorification? Are are we going to say that is not glorifying twerking or dancing in a sexual, kind of sexualized manner? Mm. You know, um, know when I think about many of our brothers, because you know some of the, in the grime, drill, UK rap scene, and by the way, UK rap, I'm not saying you're up to tune with everything, Sheikh. Yeah? Inshallah. But UK, the UK rap is having one of its golden eras at the moment. Should I say astaghfirullah? I said mashallah. Yeah, yeah. I think I made a mistake. Yeah, yeah, astaghfirullah. Yeah, for the record, <laughs> I said astaghfirullah yeah, just in case. But UK, UK rap scene is having its golden era at the moment. Some of the huge names are Muslim. And, you know, when you, when you put that into perspective, I think to myself, subhanallah, you guys could be vehicles of immense change. And you're not even, you know, even if you didn't necessarily abandon, because there's levels, isn't there, Sheikh? There's different levels of improvement, right? There's a particular position and status you want to get to. Um, some people get there overnight. Some people, it's a, it's a slow, painful, gradual process. But some of these guys, you know, if they changed their ways and modified some of the things that they were doing mm-hmm. and had certain red lines and barriers that they would never transgress, they could be serious. Figures of positive change within the Muslims, you know that, yeah. and I think about them all the time. I think about them because, I, because if you look at the Muslim youth now, and what is the most, um, you know, appealing thing to them besides the kind of intellectual stuff of the students in universities, it is it's musicians, it's rappers, it's mm-hmm. crime, it's it's this it's, it's this kind of very extravagant lifestyle of um, of of what's happening in Instagram, Snapchat, you know, nice clothes, nice drip, nice cars, nice things. These guys, if they wanted to. Within a very quick period of time, they could be a change for good, and that's why I think Dili is very important. We, because I did say, look, there is a level of goodness in there. Mm. I think the there's a misconception and misunderstanding that they have in terms of what they're singing about. Mm. But there are brothers who pray. There are brothers who are very proud of their identity. That in itself is a big thing for them to come on there, kind of like you know, yeah. bars, uh, you know, when they're kind of like uh, you know, um, singing and you know, making those bars and saying, "Look, I'm a Muslim and I'm proud of it." That to me is a positive, yeah, because we're living in a generation. There are some who are not proud of the identity. That's a positive. And also, you know, a man came to the Messenger of Allah. This was a Sahabi, a young companion in Medina. Ma'iz ibn Malik, his name was, married, got married, accepted Islam, got married, mm. saw his girlfriend. Yeah. So also, you know, going back into looks the Sira. The Sahaba were real too, and they had real issues. Let's not say, look, they never, they don't want, you know, the Imam would not understand because you know what, the Imam doesn't know what we are living. No, mm. the Sirah knowledge tells you about reality. So anyway, this man fell into sin. He came to the Prophet the Messenger of Allah. He said, "Oh Messenger of Allah, purify me." The Prophet said, "Look, go, seek Allah's forgiveness and repent to Allah Taala." Meaning, there should be a level of engagement. You know, saying this at the same time while, you know, we're saying, look. Identity is there. 
there's a, there's a level of positivity in there, kind of like lyrics sometimes. But of course, there's haram and negativity. I think the crucial thing that you mentioned is with that platform, what could they do? What should they really be doing? We discussed the oppression of the Uyghur Muslims, the Palestinian Muslims, Masjid al-Aqsa. Some of them, um, some of them, they raise awareness about these things. Yeah, okay. Some of them in their in in their songs when they're referring to everything else, they refer to the Gaza Strip. They refer to the Taliban. They refer to what's happening in Kashmir. They'll do it. Okay. Some of them, you remember the clip that we just watched yeah. of a particular rapper? Mm -hmm. He spoke about how much money he gives in secret to charity mm -hmm. and how offended he was when someone called him a kafir for the kind of music he produces. Mm -hmm. So there's this, there, there's more than glimmer of hope. You, you reference brothers who are in the rap game that can't pray Salah. So, yeah. Yeah. so saying this now, let's say, instead of that glorification of the haram, but you are just doing this. Look, Muhammad Ali, you know, done his part. Yeah. He had that platform, mm. you know. And I, I'm speaking to people in the masjid on the Juma khutbah, and I'm addressing what 3,000 people here in our masjid, but you're addressing 500,000 or 1 million people or more. More. And the influence and impact you can have for your deen mm. and fighting injustice. Yes, there is oppression there, and you could use it as a platform to target oppressors and so on. Why not use that medium? Mm. Definitely. Um, Sheikh, you know, kind of bringing the, the podcast to a close, um, I'd like to end on a positive note because, you know, sometimes when I think of brothers who are in this lifestyle, yeah, Muslims right, from various ethnicities who are involved in drugs, gangs, crime, organized crime, whether from the shot in the tents, the bends and the apes, all the way up to the guys who are moving big weight and everything in between. When I think of these people, I think about some of the individuals that I met throughout the course of my my life, and you know they ha they are very passionate about certain issues, Islamic issues, which comes as a surprise. Okay. You know, uh, you like, know like what would you in terms of the RSE bill, okay. LGBT issue, mm -hmm. Philistine Kashmir, mm -hmm. yeah, um, you know um, you, um, the migrant crisis, mm -hmm. right? Um, many of these issues, right? And sometimes when I look at them, and, and you know when the far right will come into a particular Muslim area, it'll be these guys on the front line who'll take a day off from their from their from their dealings to to make a presence there to protect the areas and the elderly. Mm -hmm. It's happened. It's happened in Luton. It's happened in parts of London. It's happened in the Midlands, and, and you know it's happened where th these individuals who aren't necessarily known for their outward religiosity mm -hmm. happen to be the ones who want to look after their area mm -hmm. uh, and keep it safe from far right hooligans and so forth. Yeah, they remind me. And this is just my kind of like reflection. I could be entirely wrong, and you can write me off if you want. Weren't there, you know, the early Bedouins uh, and, the, uh, and the and the Arabs who later became Muslim? Didn't some of the Sahaba complain about some of these tribes who were very rough and very rugged, and had very kind of like uh, aggressive uh, etiquettes and other? Yeah. And the Prophet Sallam he said in a, he said to the companions, "Please correct me if if, if you know, if you know what I'm talking about. If I've, if I've quoted it incorrectly." That be patient with them For verily these attributes will be Unleashed on the enemies of Islam mm -hmm. yeah? Do you, you recall what I'm talking I remember about? remember with Abu Bakr Siddiq so can you, yeah, Some so of the companions okay, complained so to so him can you tell me a bit about tribes, that? Yeah. You know what, they're kind of like Etiquettes are not right They do things which are not proper So you know what, you should deal with them And he said, look, be patient and as, as you mentioned, basically Rough, rugged, exactly. aggressive yeah. You're not always Islamic Some of the things that they're doing Yeah. So I see some of the brothers like this there's hope in these guys mm -hmm. There is genuine hope And for me Unless you're six feet under And you're dead There is hope mm -hmm. Yeah You mentioned Brother Marlon Beautiful example Well how was How long was the duration From when he became Muslim To when he passed About four or five years Four or five years yeah. And The things he would have done Or could have done Even before as a Muslim Those things are wiped Clean exactly. And to give some kind of You know Promising words of encouragement To our brothers mm -hmm. And even sisters these days Who are involved in this game is that the, 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 the issue of repentance, mm -hmm. right? How important is istighfar and repenting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mm -hmm. regarding these, the many sins that we commit? How important is this issue of repentance? The crucial point that you mentioned, Dili, in terms of the hope that we have in these brothers. And as, as I mentioned, you know, and look, I sometimes, by some brothers, get targeted because of my, they would see as a, you know, a lax stance concerning some of these brothers, whether they are rappers or whether they are drug dealers. Oh, you know, Imam, we saw you having dinner with these guys. We saw you kind of like going in a car with them or we saw you smiling and talking. No, you're supposed to be harsh. And the reason being what you've mentioned, I see great, great 
great potential. Some of these brothers that you've mentioned, some of them, especially in South London, I'm speaking about reverts. You know, and sometimes reverts do get kind of like, you know, treated harshly. But I know these brothers who might be in this game, if I was to say, look, brother, I need your help. The community's help. They're there. In minutes. Imam, what's happening? We're here. Yeah? And they will phone me. Oh, we, we heard there's a bit of a problem, Imam. Can we come and help you? Mm. So there is that level of look, love for Allah and His Messenger and the deed and that, you know, pride for the identity. So I think that's a very, very positive. So there needs to be that level of engagement. Saying this, Islam is about change. Allah Ta'ala gave this deen for us to change ourselves and better ourselves. The Messenger of Allah came, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I mean, if we were to say, look, gangsters, come on, man. Hamza, what was he before Islam? Umar, what was he before Islam? Khal bin Walid, okay, these were ruthless. Ruthless individuals on before a different Islam. Level. On a different level. You know, no fear of anyone. Now these people became Muslims. The Messenger of Allah, what did he do? He didn't say, look, leave your those characteristics yeah. but use them in a way that is benefits to Allah yeah. so that change is crucial and with that change of course Tawbah what does it mean Tawbah is not a negative term it's a, everything in Islam is positive Tawbah is return come back hmm. come back to Allah Ta'ala Allah wants you to come back to Allah it's something beautiful I read of Imam Ibn Qayyim he says look a person sins and Iman drops yes the person then makes Tawbah what happens to the Iman he said, look, some said, the sins wiped away. Mm. The person who makes toba, in fact, he's spending this hadith. The one who makes toba, the sins wiped away. So he says, the iman has dropped, the sin is wiped away, but the iman stays low. Because it dropped, because of the sin. He said, there's another opinion. Because he or she made the toba, and the sin's been wiped away, the, Im the iman returns to the position where it was. He says, my opinion and my teacher's opinion, he's referring to Shaykh Hussain Ibn Taymiyyah, is... Because of the sincerity of that Tawbah and the passion behind that Tawbah, it can reach a level of Iman higher than the one he had when he kind of like committed that sin and so on. So I think, inshallah, our brothers who are in that game, while you're alive, the opportunity of making Tawbah, returning to Allah Ta'ala, and it can only be good. Islam can only, when you make that Tawbah and change and stop what you're doing in terms of drugs and gang violence and killing Muslims, it can only be good for you in this life and the hereafter. So please, 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 inshallah, make that tawbah, come back to Allah Ta'ala. And one thing, Dili, when I'm called for anything, whether it's gang violence, you know, mediation, I'm here. Yeah, I'm here, especially in London. So if brothers need any help, please outreach me, inshallah. Sheikh Rakat with the bulletproof Kevlar vest and all of that today. Of course, it's already there. <laughs> um, in terms of practical steps, right? Um, another, another argument I've heard is that, actually, you know, wallahi, I'm sinning so much. Is it even worth me making tawbah? My dear brother, I've been drinking and smoking for the last years. Will my salah even be accepted? Meaning they think themselves to be so sinful and so bad that reformation and, 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 and um, you know, repentance and making tawbah seems a very long way because they believe um, that somehow these things won't be accepted. I need you to shed some light on Allah's mercy. Uh, and Allah's, yes, Allah is the most severe in his punishment, no doubt. Mm -hmm. But Allah's mercy is one of the greatest attributes of Allah. Mm -hmm. uh, so can you please shed some light on those who believe that they are so sinful that there's no hope for them? Yeah, I mean, look, keep in mind, you know, the the essence of our deed is positivity. Yeah. yeah. And everywhere we see, let's say the Uyghur Muslims or the Palestinian Muslims, while we see a negative, it's rallying the Ummah. Yes. Yeah, it's rallying the Ummah. We're more aware of Al-Aqsa. We're more aware of Palestine. Many Muslims didn't know Muslims existed in China. Until they, yeah. Until, you know, Recent the atrocity is happening. Everything is, you know, is focused on positivity. The same thing here. If somebody wants to change and make Tawbah, Allah Ta'ala's mercy is vast. My only worry is that sometimes people use it as an excuse. Spot on. Yeah? Spot on. So they don't really want to change and they say, oh, no, Allah's not going to forgive me. I've done it for so long. No. Yeah. I'll give you an example. This is a, a brother from, the, from Jamaica. Yeah. One of the first guys early in 80s and so on to supply drugs into New York. The equipment gave him 10 years. He had so much money, he paid one guy, said, look, you take the blame. When I come out, I've got so much money, I look after all your family. And this brother took shahada, came to UK. He's been a long, many, many years. Hmm. If you see this guy, the change, married, masjid, jama'ah, security guard, 
you know, eight to eight, whatever hours he does. If somebody wants to change, they can change. And Allah will make it easy. And we've seen that from the Sahaba and others. I would also want to just add to a bit of that is that look, brothers, you know, if you find yourselves twiddling your fingers literally out of boredom, you're just about to rack a spliff up, and you know that there's a time for salah, I beg you just go pray. It's better for you to pray than not pray. Is this not right, Sheikh? Exactly. If it, it is better for you to just pray than not pray. It is better for you to, you know, if you if you were thinking that okay, I'm so sinful, like, there's no point in me giving this score, this twenty pound to the to, to the sadqajariyan. Just do it. Wallahi, where you can find to do good, and there is a, a voice or a conscience inside you telling you to do good. The fact that you throw, because I've had this conversation with many brothers, by the yeah. way. That's why I mention it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm just sitting in my flat, sitting in my pad. I've just committed zina or something, right? And I'm looking at the time. And the two salahs that they always refer to is Fajr and Maghrib. Yeah. Yeah, because they're obviously based on... Okay. Yeah? Mm -hmm. and, I'm like, and I've said to them, okay, look. Not that I'm saying that, you know, and they've said, Brother Dilly, there's a good deed, cancel out a bad deed because they've heard these things. Yeah? Yeah. Like, I was true. I was true, but okay, the point here is that it is a greater sin when shaitan is one when he has convinced you not to pray. The fact that you're thinking it's salah time is maghrib mm -hmm. or that you're feeling guilty that whilst you're doing something it's salah time is actually better for you to just pray. Yeah. So long as your mental faculty is all there and you're not entirely befogged and mash up, yeah, and that you can't stand still and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um so I think that point is crucial. Yeah. Don't let your sin stop you from a deed that you can do. Yeah. That one deed might be the deed that you know saves you. Yeah, yeah. So if you have that opportunity, whatever it might be, salah and so on, mm. take that opportunity and do it. And the other thing, Dili, is like, look, us. Don't we have desires? Of course. Don't we have egos? Everybody has that. We're not different from you. The Sahaba weren't different from you. It's how you regulate those desires and those egos within those boundaries that Allah has legislated. Absolutely. Um, on a concluding point, you know, we've given a lot of advice and nasiha and, and you know, and it's come from a good place. And I want everyone listening to this to understand this. And every time I've had a rap on the podcast, and every time I will continue having rappers on the podcast, I always tell them this hadith. Mm -hmm. Is that my dear brother? I have not truly attained faith until I want for you what I want for myself. And that's goodness, Allah's pleasure and paradise. Mm -hmm. And that's where our nasiha and advice is coming from, right? Of course, of course. And you know what? Look, shout out to them. Mm. You know, shout out to them. We give them salams. Yeah. We do love them because, look, they are Muslim and also they're proud of their identity. Mm. And very recently, a brother, you know what? He's in the game very, very big globally. Subhanallah. Wanted to stop zina. Got married. He's telling me, look, I want to settle down just with this wife, stop sinning, zina, and so on. Even though he's in the, you know, that is a step forward in the right direction. Yeah. So yes, like you mentioned, we, we do love you. And this is out of care and concern and inshallah wanting the best for you. Mm. One very last, um, actually no, I keep saying one very last, but there's so much to discuss. Tell us a hadith about, if, if you know of any that come to mind, about company and environment. Because a lot of the brothers in the game will say, well, listen, okay, okay, fine. Yeah, you're my Muslim brother, but he's my day one. Mm -hmm. If I want to go and ride out, he's there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I'm busy, when I'm busy and I can't take over my line, as in the trap line to deal drugs, he's taking over for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the issue of companionship and environment is also very crucial to reformation, is it not? Very crucial. And I just thought of one thing, which, you know, the brothers who are selling drugs, I say brothers, they're Muslims yeah. who are selling drugs. The effect, and let's say sometimes, you know, they say, look, well, I'm not taking it. I'm just selling it. The impact on the community, Muslims or non-Muslims, they say, look, and only sell to non-Muslims. Those parents that you're selling to or those older siblings that you're selling to, the impact on them and the younger generation. You know, you see junkies, mm. what's being done. Mm. Surely that should be painful to a Muslim, especially who believes in Allah in the last day. So that's kind of like very, very important. And the other point, sorry, you, you was... Uh, a company and environment. A company and environment. You know, the Masjid of Allah, what did he say? And look, on a practical level, I've seen this realistically in the Masjid. Somebody would come to the Masjid, wants to pray, or somebody's taken shahada, and I would say, look, I'll get the memento from the Masjid. i say, look, keep in touch with this person, call him, check on him, but, and I would tell them, be careful of your company. How many slipped away from the deen? How many... Left a certain lifestyle but went back up, back into it just because of the company. What did the Prophet say? Al You will be upon the deen and the lifestyle of your companions. So be careful who your close companions are. So I think that's a crucial point of change, reformation. You know, change your environment, change your circle of friends. Um, 
last bit of advice to uh, ulama, du'at, uh, Islamic activists um, who are living in these areas, you know, Birmingham, Manchester, Bradford, Rochester, London, um, Luton, you know, all these these hot spots. So we've concentrated Muslim communities where you know substance abuse, gang crime, and all of this stuff is very um, you know prevalent. Um, what is the advice that you would give to uh, these individuals? Uh, because um, this is a position which I disagree with, or um, from some of the brothers in the game. They say, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, my brother, my sheikh here, yeah, sheikh's gonna come with a beautiful big beard, mm. drop some nice Arabic verses and stuff, right? Yeah, that's how they talk, yeah. Mm. And that's it, he's gone. He's gonna go back to his lovely semi detached property. Mm. I'm like, you don't know that, by the way. The imam and the sheikh could be struggling as much as you, my dear brother. True. Yeah. But this kind of understanding that a bearded elderly man can't give nasiha to them because there is a socio-economic or lived experience disparity between them. Mm. Um, so just two questions to wrap the podcast today. Number yeah. one, how do you address this, that there is a disconnect between these brothers and the sheikh that's given the advice or the imam that's given an advice? Okay, two, two things that I did. One is, and this might sound harsh, there is a disconnect. Because yeah. some of the imams are not engaging with the community in that level and that way. Yeah, Islam is not for just being in the masjid. So the Imam is in the masjid and home, and that's it. He does his bayan, he does his khutbah, he does his salah, he does a reminder in the masjid, mm. but there's no real engagement. And I'm saying every Imam, but that is there also reality. Mm. And then when there is the engagement with inside the masjid, it's not talking about real issues. Will the Imam say about twerking? Will the Imam say about uh, uh, drugs? Yes, some do, but you know, it's it's kind of like general reminders which passing hardly. These things that are addressed or mentioned That is a problem The messenger of Allah was part of his society His companions were part of society The imams of old You know when you read the books of the fuqaha you are, How are they discussing these topics? Because they were in the environment to know It might be sexual topics, other topics That's very very important The other point is You know Is the imam not allowed to address a topic Because let's say you see him as someone who's isolated He's so pious, he's so good Keep in mind you know, one of the imams I spoke to, he's an imam in prison. He said, the number of kids in prison whose fathers are imams. Yeah. So our kids are part of society, will be affected by yeah. the issues that are happening in society. But that's not a reason to say, well, I will not listen to the imam. Would you listen to the Prophet ﷺ? Was he a drug dealer? No. Would you listen to Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali? Were they drug dealers? No. Can't they speak to you about drugs? Would you speak to the four imams when they speak about drugs and stuff and they weren't involved? Yes, you would listen to them. Yes, as long as they're giving you that guidance which comes from our revelation and our kind of like, you know, tradition, mm. then listen. And if it's good for you, say alhamdulillah. Even if he's not, even if he's slightly, let's say, isolated from you as you perceive it. And the advice to Islamic activists, mushaykh, ulama, who are... Uh, you know, faith leaders in our communities who are imams of masajids, who are heads of institutions. What's the advice in terms of you know an approach to dealing with this issue? Because it's not going nowhere. It's not going. The issue nowhere. is not going anywhere. They, 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 there's not been no drastic drop in knife crime or, or or substance abuse or or you know teenage pregnancy out of wedlock. This stuff is unfortunately on the rise. Yeah, and very much rise proportionately even in Muslim areas. Yeah, what is your advice? Uh, to faith leaders and parents alike in terms of addressing these issues? I think, look, one crucial point, and this is, I'm speaking about maybe inner London, certain parts of inner London specifically, mm. where the suppliers, the leaders in the drug industry are Muslim. That's the saddening part. Yeah. So it, it is, you know, sometimes we perceive this to be as a non-Muslim problem, so, I mean, look, if we know this and it's happening, and I'm, I'm speaking about London, where let's say the Muslims are not a majority, mm. yeah, seven, eight million, you know, 1.5 million might be Muslim or, so, or over a million. Of course, northern areas is just Muslims dealing with it and, and, and running that industry completely. Yeah. But even in London, where the Muslims might not be a majority, many parts of inner London, the drug industry is controlled by Muslims. Now, imams, parents, du'ats, activists. Where's our own responsibility? Are we going to turn a blind eye to this? Where's the kind of like uh, tackling this social ill? Where, how is a non-Muslim supposed to perceive Islam when 
we are saying Islam is the best. We've got the best solution for you. You need to come to Islam. When our youngsters with names like Islam and Muhammad and Abdurrahman are the drug dealers supplying the drugs to these, i.e. To, to, the, to, the, to the members of the community and to non-Muslims and so on. So I think as the Messenger of Allah says, the best in society are those who are the most beneficial. And that should be led by that benefiting society and challenging oppression and wrongdoing by imams and activists specifically. Um, parents who have an inkling about what some of their children or sons may be doing but turn a blind eye because the money's good or that you know he's not bringing it home. Um, what would your advice be to those parents who are uh, negligently ignorant or play to be ignorant but they know more or less what's going on? What's your advice? I think to for them parents? it's tough, Dilly. Sometimes they're scared. Sometimes they, you know, they're struggling financially, so they don't. Sometimes they don't know how to. Remember, there's a disconnect. You know, it might be a child that's born here or third, second, second, third generation, engaged with them in English, explain to them. There's a kind of like vulnerability and kind of like lack of, yeah. you know, know-how. So I won't be too harsh on them. But at the same time, if they know that is happening and you cannot address it yourself, get specialists, get imams, get others who can help you in that. But as a community. And look, and I say this sincerely, these are my pe- the drug dealers, Muslim drug dealers are my people too. Yeah, same like the, the Muslim rappers. So I say this sincerely as a community, as a whole, with them collectively. Collectively, yeah. please, 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 let's sort this problem out and let's stop this, inshallah. Sheikh Jazakumullah Barakallah I thoroughly enjoyed today's podcast. I think it was very much needed. Jazakumullah and I enjoyed it too. Thank you for the opportunity, Dili, to Blood Brothers Podcast and Five Pillars and yourself. Jazakumullah May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you and preserve you. I mean, and uh, may more Masajid like Lushim Islamic Centre uh, become more exemplary examples in terms of really addressing the issues in our societies. I mean, uh, brothers and sisters, I hope you uh, enjoyed today's podcast. There was gem after gem, a wealth of lessons after lesson for us to take home. Um, but I will conclude on this, uh, and I'll conclude on this because, you know, recently I've had some, uh, not, 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 not criticisms or concerns, but people who have reached out to me and, you know, questioned this issue of engaging uh, non-practicing Muslims or Muslims who are from un-Islamic industries. My dear brothers and sisters, I'm going to conclude on this point here, yeah, so as long as, I mean, from the Blood Brothers perspective, right, and myself, so as long as, uh, you know, the Fahisha and the, and, and, and the Haram industries are not being validated, encouraged, uh, is being promoted on this podcast. Um, there is no reason why we cannot engage with our Muslim brothers and sisters. Number one. Number two, if we, the practicing folk, the religious folk, the outwardly conservative folk, shut our doors of engagement with our brothers who have rights over us, remember this as well, right, Sheikh? Yep, of course. The Muslim drug dealer, the Muslim singer, the Muslim DJ, the Muslim uh, boxer, kickboxer, whatever it may be, they are believers who have rights over us, right? If we, the practicing folk, shut the door of companionship with the with these people, what what do, what do you think that it tells of us, right? The same people that we want Islam reform from, we are not even giving them the opportunity. Now I get the argument that you know, perhaps these conversations should be had in private; they shouldn't be validated on camera. This is an issue of difference. The point here is, even the new subscribers who have come to Five Pillars. You came here because you saw a rapper or a person that you followed quite religiously be on this platform. And you've come onto this platform and you've seen various other kinds of content, which I hope, inshallah, is of benefit to you. And these are the kind of more kind of open-minded approach that we need to have, I believe, inshallah. And I've told the brothers who are, who are watching this podcast, who've made it till the end, who are still in that lifestyle that we spoke about in great detail with the Sheikh today, is that, look, Allah's mercy is something which is so vast and great. It is a very repetitive um, and, and concurring theme within the Quran and the Sunnah of, Prophet, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy and his willingness uh, to forgive, right? But that's also something that we should not take for granted, right? And, it's, and whilst we know of the story of the man from Bani Israel who was a murderer who killed 99 people, 100 people, Allah for you know, there was this whole thing about moving the landmass so Allah would enter in paradise. Yeah, these stories are beautiful and they're real. Don't take those things for granted. Hear those stories, reflect upon it, and implement it for positive change. Exactly. Because we can, because another word. He wanted change, and yeah. he made the effort for change. Exactly, that's the crucial point there. Exactly, and what ends up happening, Sheikh, is that we will hear all these evidences and these stories, and they will actually end up becoming a testimony against us. We forget this as well. Mm. We want constant reminders and nasiha and examples of Allah's mercy, and this. 
but then when you don't act upon this on the day of judgment, it will be the case that Sheikh told you this, your brother Dili told you this, you read this, you saw this, yet you did not act. So it could be a double-edged sword that whilst you have this vast knowledge of Allah's forgiveness and mercy, if you don't act upon that with sincerity, you don't know what you know the hereafter holds. So there was a lot for us to take in, everyone, parents, faith leaders, activists, teachers, students of knowledge, mashayikh, ulama, brothers in the game, in the rap game, drug dealers. There's so much for everyone to take from this podcast. But I hope that you know we can sincerely reflect upon this because our youth is our future. And you know that Delhi never gives a lecture like this at the end of the podcast, do I, Mohsin? Never. It's because we regard this issue to be a very serious issue. Right? And with so much happening to our ummah abroad and even at home, the last thing we want to be prioritizing, really, right, it is not desirable to be addressing Muslims killing Muslims, Muslims sending drugs to Muslims, sisters falling, you know, pregnant out of wedlock, and these kind of things. These are not things that really, in terms of priority, we've got so much greater issues. But since it's come to our doorstep now, we need to address it. So please, if you made it till this end, made it till the end of this podcast, take what the Sheikh said with with seriousness. You know, we're here to support you. You know, whether it be Five Pillars or the Blood Brothers, Contact, uh, Blood Brothers Podcast, Lewisham Islamic Centre, uh, you know, your local masajid, you know, reach out to people because people will make time for you, um, inshallah. Uh, please like this video, subscribe to the Five Pillars YouTube channel, leave a comment. If you want to listen to this podcast, uh, search The Mad Mumluks, you'll find this podcast on all the uh, audio platforms. And until next time, Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh. Blood Brothers Podcast. Five Pillars of Mad Monarchs production.